Well, the single most uh, important event in world history, you'd think we'd celebrate like that. Amen? That's so good. I appreciate uh, the effort put into it, the opportunity we have to get to sing and the opportunity to preach. Maybe you have a guest here with you tonight. If you have a guest with you, or if you are a guest, would you raise your hand here for us? I know we've already welcomed all the guests. Look at that. We're glad. We're sure glad to welcome each of you here. That's a real blessing. And uh, many have family members here tonight and co-workers and uh, neighbors and friends. So it's, it's a real blessing to get to see each and every one. And, and so I trust that even the message in song that you caught it, that you caught it. Um, some of the, you know, just the very beginning of the, of the, uh, the, the cantata was just uh, jubilant and rejoicing. And, and then it gave the reason as to why. And it's because uh, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to save sinners. That's why he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why? Because God so loved the world. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? And God commendeth, I'm not preaching yet, I'm just quoting verses here. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The Bible says, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever, and that includes you, whosoever, does that sound like it includes Everybody in here, it absolutely does. It's a whosoever gospel. The word gospel means good news, good news. Well, there's a lot of bad news in the world, right? A lot of bad news. But the good news is, is that whosoever uh, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was eight years old when I understood that I was a sinner. I'd been raised in church. I was fortunate, like many here tonight, no doubt. Uh, raised in church, had a mom that kept me in church. Sure glad about that. But I didn't get saved just because my mom was saved. I had to personally trust Christ as my Savior. And I'm thankful that I understood that I was a sinner and there was nothing I could do to save myself, but that Jesus did everything necessary to save anyone. And so I'm glad that even a boy or, or a girl or a teenager, an adult, uh, can trust Christ as their Savior. It's a very simple message, a very simple message. It's a message about redemption. Now that word redeem, uh, we don't use... Uh, maybe a whole lot. You know, the theme of our cantata is redeeming love. Uh, you know, we think about, you know, you redeem something, you buy it back, you get, a, get opportunity uh, for it again. And so I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles tonight to Galatians in chapter number four. There's a lot of verses that we could use Galatians four. Let's stand in honor of God's word here. Galatians in chapter four. There's a lot of verses we could use to talk about redemption. The word redeem is used oftentimes in uh, the Old Testament, you have the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament is promising that God would send the Savior. And the New Testament is telling the good news. He came. Uh, in, under the Old Testament, there would be uh, the blood of bulls and goats and, and, uh, and lambs that were shed, that was shed. But in the New Testament, it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for sin that was given for us, his life given for us. We're going to read about it here in Galatians. In fact, we're going to do a little bit of reading as we get into the message here tonight. But Galatians chapter 4, we're just, uh, for the sake of time, just going to look at two verses in Galatians 4. And then we'll uh, take some time as we get into it here tonight to explain what Paul, as he's writing to these Galatians, uh, these 
uh, people of Galatia as to what, why these verses are here, what they mean, and try mainly tonight. I just hope to do this. I just hope to make it very clear that all people need salvation, and there's one way. There's one way to be saved, and, and it's through the Redeemer, and that would be Jesus Christ. Look at verse number four, uh, Galatians 4 and verse 4. The Bible tells us that when the full, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. God sent forth his son. That means he existed before he was born in the, and put in the manger. We're talking about the eternal son of God. He's always been the son. There's never been a time when Jesus was not the son of God. He's the eternal son. This speaks of his eternal nature. God sent forth his son. Watch this now. Born, or sorry, rather made. Let me find my place. God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Why did he do that? Here's, here's the primary verse I want to bring to your attention tonight. Made under the law to, what's the next word? Redeem. Redeem. Redeem them that were under the law that we might receive, look at this, the adoption of sons. Let me read verse 6 too. It'll be good. You'll enjoy it. And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying Abba, or we might say it this way, daddy. <laughs> Very tender, affectionate terminology used. The fact that we can be uh, in a relationship with God Almighty. And call him Abba, Father. Tonight, God, I pray that you'd help in the delivery of this message about the gospel. And I do pray for anyone here that does not know Jesus as Savior. I pray that they tonight would understand their spiritual need and respond to the gospel message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As a pastor in the Boston area many uh, years ago now that met a little boy outside the church and the boy had a rusty uh, cage that had some birds in it. And the pastor said, son, where, where'd you get those birds? He said, oh, I found them out in the field. And he said, what are you going to do with them? He said, well, I, I'm going to play with them and then, then I'm probably going to feed them to the old cat at the house. So those birds weren't long for this world. Well, the pastor said, well, what will you take for them? And and he said, oh, mister, you don't want to buy these birds. These birds won't sing and they're not, they're not song birds. He said, I'll give you $2 for the cage and for the birds. He said, sold. The little boy went home happy with, his, uh, happy with his money. The pastor went out back, opened up the cage, let those birds go. They flew off. The next Sunday morning, the pastor came and he set that empty cage with the door wide open on the platform, on the, on the pulpit. He said last week and told the story about the little boy. And he said, you know, that boy said that those birds weren't songbirds. But he said, as soon as I let them go, it seemed like they went away singing, redeemed, 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 set free. The word redeemed means set free. It literally is this. When, when we see this word redeemed in the text, how that he redeemed us. In fact, we'll see another verse here that he redeemed us from the, from the curse of the law. Uh, and he redeemed us there from the curse itself. Um, it means that he paid the price that we might go free. He paid the price 
that you might go free. You know, uh, even this morning we sang, uh, redeem how I love to proclaim it, redeem by the blood of the lamb. We like to sing about the word redeemed, that we're bought with a price. In fact, tonight the choir uh, sang redeeming love, a love that knows no limit, limit, redeeming love, a love that shall not die. My soul shall sing throughout the endless ages with choirs extolling this great love on high. How about that? That's awesome. I Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 9, how that he redeemed us out of all tongues and tribes and nations with his blood. And, and right now there are people around the throne. And, and by the way, they crucified him on the cross. They buried him in the tomb. But friend, listen, he didn't stay there. He came forth alive from the grave and he's able to save anybody here tonight that are calling him by faith. And right now around that throne are, are the countless redeemed, those that have trusted him as Savior, and they're crying out and praising him for the fact that he saved them. Paul is writing to a group of, of believers here that got mixed up. Hey, uh, by the way, even believers can get mixed up along the way. Have you ever been mixed up? Even though you know what's right, you kind of get off. And that's what happened here to these believers. They were saved by God's grace. But they had somebody telling them that, that actually in addition to what you did in trusting Jesus, you also, you've got to keep the law. You, you, you've got to do what the law says. In other words, they were saying, Jesus isn't enough. You got to do your works. Well, if you do even one work to save your soul, it's no more grace. Because if it's at all of works, either to be saved or to stay saved, listen, friend, that's not grace anymore. That's not grace. But the Bible teaches that we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. How can you go to heaven? How can you have your sins forgiven? Do you, do you know that for sure? I want to ask you tonight, do you know for sure that if you died, that you know that you'd go to heaven? Did you know the Bible tells us that you can know that for sure? That you don't have to wait until the end to see, well, I wonder if my good works are going to outweigh my bad and, and such. No, listen, the Bible makes it very clear that you can know for sure that, watch this, your sins are forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven, Basically, I can say this way, you can know for sure that you are redeemed, that you are set free. Set free. Man, that just got a good sound to it, doesn't it? Galatians uh, chapter one, take a journey with me here just real quick, would you please? In verse number one, it says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and the God, God, the father, whom he raised from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, be, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, verse number four. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now, I want to preach the whole book, but uh, that would take quite a bit of time. Uh, but just to hit some of the highlights, Paul says in verse number 13, would you look at me, look at it with me there in verse 13 of chapter one, for ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews religion, how that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. You know what Paul's saying right there? He's saying there's a time when I was against Jesus Christ. 
when he killed, literally murdered uh, Christians and had them uh, killed. And, 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 and he said in verse number 14, and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. You know what he's saying right there? He says, I tried to be right with God by being very religious. There's a lot of people trying to be right with God by being very religious. But listen, friend, if you could be right with God by being religious, then Jesus didn't have to come and die for you. But he had to come and die. And Paul finally realized that it was not by his good works. Look at chapter 2. Are we doing all right? Look at chapter 2 and verse number 16. Look what he said here. He's, he's writing to help them understand that it's not by works. It's not by you trying harder. But it's by the price that was paid for you. Chapter 2 and verse number 16. Paul says this, that knowing that a man, a person, a man, a man or woman, a man is not justified. The word justified there means right with God. A man is not justified, declared righteous by God, by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. The idea is there is that you trust him. You trust who he is. You trust his payment rather than your own payment. But by faith of Jesus Christ, even we which have believed on Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Look at verse number 20, if you would. Verse number 20, same chapter. He says, I am crucified with Christ and nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Watch this. Who what? Loved me. There's redeeming love. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I say to you on the authority of that verse that he loves you and gave himself for you. Into chapter number, chapter number six, uh, he says in verse number six, chapter number three, sorry, verse number six. Are we doing Okay. Chapter number three and verse number six, he says this. He says, even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying, listen, don't forget this. He's writing to those that were trying to go about being saved through the Jewish faith. He said, now, wait a minute. Abraham, the father of the Jewish race, he was saved by grace through faith. He was not saved by works. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look at verse number seven. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. You know what that means? There's only one way to be saved, and this through Jesus Christ. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse number 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Okay, here's what he's saying. If you don't keep all the law and if you're not saved, then you're under the curse. You're condemned. You say, well, wait a minute. How can I maybe start right now and keep the law and be all right with God? Okay, ready? 
Go. How long are you going to last before you sin? Probably before you get out of here, you're going to have a problem. You're definitely going to have to drive home. (laughs) Somebody's going to cut you off. Somebody's going to go slow. I'm just simply telling you, when it comes to us, if, if righteousness with God comes by us keeping the law, we're all in trouble. Every one of us. In fact, what he's saying here in this, in the book of Galatians chapter three and even into chapter four is that, listen, the law was given, not that you should try to keep the law, but it was given to show you that you cannot keep the law and you have not kept the law. In fact, there's only one person who has perfectly kept the law and that is the one who was made of a woman by the virgin birth and made under the law. He was a Jew. Then he perfectly kept the law. I'm speaking tonight of the only one who's ever kept all the law. And that would be Jesus Christ. And he died. Well, you say, wait a minute. I, the wages of sin is death. Uh, what, if you die as a criminal, then probably you've done something wrong. He died not for his own sins. He had none. He died for your sins. And Paul says that, and for the sake of time, I'm going to read all of the verses in chapter three, but he talks about a schoolmaster that's always there. Uh, you know, if you have an heir that's a child, he's not ready to reign and rule. And I mean, just imagine trying to give, you know, the run of your house to your three-year-old. How would that go? No, not well. You got to have somebody that's there telling that three-year-old what to do and what not to do. And he's going to need that for a long time. Paul is using that analogy and he's saying, listen, the law was there to show us what we ought to do and what we ought not to do and to thump us in the head every now and then. Are you following what I'm saying right there? He's saying, listen, the law is showing you. The law is much like a thermometer. The the thermometer uh, will show you what kind of temperature you have, but it is not the solution to your temperature. You don't swallow the thermometer. Okay, the thermometer will show you that you've got a problem. The law, listen, the law will not heal you. The law will show you that you've taken God's name in vain. The law will show you that you've bore false witness, you've told a lie. The law, listen, the law will show you that you have, you have uh, maybe even committed adultery or like we said this morning, you've looked upon someone with lust and Jesus said, if you look upon someone with lust, then you've committed adultery already in your heart. You're saying, preacher, I'm in a heap of trouble. You're right. You're right. Maybe you've stolen. Maybe you've not honored your parents. I'm just saying tonight that according to the law, Every one of us stand guilty. What are you going to do about that? Well, thank God you don't have to do a thing about that. Because the Bible says that in the fullness of time, you know what that means? At just the right time. How do you know it's just the right time? Well, God did it. At just the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. Mercy, that's a blessing. He sent forth his son. I mean, listen, Jesus is the only one that fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. And you realize just how many there are. In fact, one individual, one individual calculated that if you just took eight, 
Just eight of the prophecies. Do you realize the Bible tells us where he's going to be born? If the Bible even pinpoints when he's going to be born? I mean, if you took all those things and you said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, see if hell, what the, the possibility of this being fulfilled in one person, the individual said that it would be 10 to the 17th power. Here's, here's the figure. Hang on just a minute. Let me, let me get my notes. I want you to hear this number because I don't think I've ever said this number out loud. 100, one, it'd, be, it'd be this, the, the chances, chances, the, the possibility of this would be in this way. It would be one in 100 quadrillion. Hello? What? <laughs> this would be, that eight, just eight of them would be fulfilled in one person is one in 100 quadrillion. Now, I have no idea what quadrillion is, except that it's got one with 17 zeros behind it. <laughs> then he gave this illustration. It'd be like this. You take silver, a silver coin, silver coins, and you fill it two foot deep, and you cover the whole state of Texas. And you blindfold somebody. And you tell them there is one coin in here that is marked and you can go as far as you want to, but you got to find that one coin in one opportunity. You blindfold them. There they go. They go through Ardmore. Now they're in Gainesville. Now they're going further south. They're getting around Fort Worth. They're going further south. Hey, can you imagine two foot deep? What's the odds of that? One in 100 quadrillion. You say, I think I could do it. (laughs) You're out of your mind. (laughs) But I'm telling you, what what the Bible is saying here is that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. What what it's saying here, I, I wish we could take the time just to go back to Isaiah and to Malachi and to Micah and to all the other Old Testament prophets and even into the New Testament that showing that he was coming because you and I needed a savior. And in redeeming love, Jesus came just for you and fulfilled all those and more prophecies to redeem, to pay a price not of gold and of silver, but of his own precious blood that he shed that you might go free. How could we not sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. To redeem those that are under the law, that they might receive the adoption. The adoption. In uh, Roman times, and actually there's reference to this even among the Jewish people of adoption. But among the Jews, and among the Romans rather, you would adopt not just children, although, you know, we, we have some even just here of recently that have been adopted. It's redeeming love. But according to uh, Roman history, when an individual was being adopted, even as an adult, adopted as an adult, listen what would happen. They were taken out of their previous condition. All their debts were canceled. They started a new life. 
They took the family name. They were entitled to the inheritance. They had a new father who owned their property. They had a new father who controlled their personal relationships. They had a new parent who had a right. They had a new parent who had right to discipline them. They had a new parent, listen to this, who assumed responsibility of providing for them. They had a new parent that assumed responsibility for their actions. Paul says, when you trust Christ, you are adopted into God's family. He came to redeem us. That's redeeming love. He came to redeem us, to set us free. But he didn't just set us free. He paid the price to bring you into the family. He took us out of our previous condition, which was lost and on our way to hell. All of our sin debt canceled. He gave us a new life. We get the family name. We're entitled to the inheritance. Somebody ought to get excited about that up here today, that we have the access to that inheritance. We have a father who, who actually all of our property belongs to him. We have a heavenly father that is in charge of our relationships. He has the right to discipline us, and we need it often. We have a new relationship with him. He takes responsibility for our support and assumes responsibility for our actions. What a great truth that we've been redeemed to be adopted into the family of God. Just a few days ago, Asa, Christopher, River, Mast came into our song director, our choir director, the one who led the choir tonight, came into their family, Brother Aaron and Miss Elizabeth Mast. But Seth said, Asa, I think that's short for Asaph. He was involved in music. I kind of like that, brother Seth. That's pretty good. This little guy, see in the nursery, sees here. Grandparents, he's with grandparents. Uh, did, did you did you just hear that? Amen. He's with grandparents. <laughs> he's with grandparents. He was taken out of his previous situation, brought into a new family, given a new name going to be provided for, taken care of, watched over. My friend, listen, that's redeeming love. And that's what God through Christ has provided for in your life, that you might be brought into his family. You say, I don't deserve to be in his family. He came that you might be brought into his family. That's redeeming love. I want to ask you tonight to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask just a couple questions here tonight. The choir has sung about his redeeming love. We looked in the Bible to see his redeeming love, but we want to make the most of this opportunity by asking everybody here tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder how many of you tonight could say, I know that I'm on my way to heaven. I've been saved. I trusted him as the redeemer. I've been adopted into his family. Would you raise your hand if that's you tonight? Thank God. We've got every reason, friend, to rejoice in that. You may put your hands down. 
Is anyone here tonight, though, that would raise your hand and say, I preacher, I recognize that I am indeed a sinner. I know that I've broken God's commandments. And according to what you just said, I'm condemned. I'm, on, I'm, I'm apart from God. I, I need salvation. If I die tonight, I don't know for sure that I would go to heaven. And I am concerned about that. Jesus died for you on the cross. He was buried and rose again that He might save you, dear friend. Is there anyone here that would raise your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I, I'm not going to ask anybody to come to you or embarrass you or, or, or make their way to you, but just, just raise your hand right now, would you please, if that's you. If you died tonight, you don't know for sure, but you are concerned about it. Just raise your hand where you are and, and uh, let me see your hand. Then I w- I'd like to have a word of prayer here in just a moment. We'd invite you to come. There's going to be men here at the front. There'll be ladies they can take a Bible, and we have rooms just off to the side here where you can get in a quiet place, and somebody can show you from Scripture how you can trust Christ as your Savior. Is anyone like that while I wait just a moment? He paid the price that you might be saved. If tonight you'd like to trust Him as your Savior, would you just make your way down these aisles, the closest aisle to you, and, and someone will be here to greet you and be a help to you? Tonight, if, if you're, you are saved, listen, friend, He bought you with His his own blood. You're bought with a great price. Amen. Therefore, we ought to glorify God. Amen. We ought to glorify Him. You ought to serve Him with your life. If you are saved, you ought, to, you ought to be in a Bible preaching church and you ought to be serving Him with your life. Don't waste, don't waste the price of His redemption on yourself. Dear God, tonight I thank you that, that we can rejoice in your love shown to us that Pay the price for our redemption. Dear God, I pray tonight for anyone here that maybe I didn't see their hand or maybe they didn't raise their hand, but they know they know they need salvation. I pray you'd help them as we have this time of invitation. And then for anyone here tonight that maybe they are saved, but they're just not right with you, I pray that you'd help them to come to you by way of repentance and faith and in Christ, to get things right with you, even as your child, you chasten your children. And I'm thankful that you do, dear God, that you love us that much. And you want to walk with us daily. And I pray tonight, dear God, that, that Lord, you'd help us just to rejoice here this season, just in what price was paid that we might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Page 275, just as I am, as we begin to sing, Would you come to this altar here tonight? Would you come and talk with someone? We'd love that opportunity. As Brother Aaron leads us, page 275, Just As I Am.